It is true that the child of God lives each moment of his or her life by faith. However, have you found out that it seems a bit difficult sometimes to believe that God is in control over some situations and circumstances before you? I mean, it is easier to believe that God is in control when things turn around immediately. I pray about them. Then when I pray and everything seems the same or sometimes even worse. First of all, dear saint, remember that your frustrations and anxiety are valid. God does not deny them. In fact, many of the people in the Bible who saw the move of God in their lives in an amazing way expressed frustrations and fear at some point too. Gideon once asked the Lord's angel who appeared to him, why weren't they seeing the mighty move of God in the land like they were told by their ancestors? He had to ask for a sign to prove that God was even right there with them. Sarah got tired and waiting with her husband for the Lord's promise and gave her husband her maidservant so that she could have a baby for her. Joshua was scared of his new position as Moses' replacement because he couldn't imagine himself filling up Moses' shoes. Elijah, the great prophet of God, got frustrated in life and ministry that he told God he was the only one left in the land who was true to the faith. God had to tell him there were 7,000 more out there. Martha told Jesus that she knew that her brother wouldn't have died if Jesus had been there. You see, even though we read of the exploits of faith of these men and women today, once they also felt everything was out of control. This is why I say that your frustrations, questions and fears are valid. But that they are valid does not mean that they are true or effective in changing any situation. You see, although God did not condemn any of these people for what they felt, yet he told them what they should do instead. It is important that you get this, my friend. And although situation may be out of hand for you, for the doctor, for your friend, for your sibling, and for your spouse, it is not out of God's hands. God is in control. Do you understand that? I believe that your faith or doubt is as powerful as the thing that holds your attention. This means that whatever you give your focus to that determines what grows in your heart, faith, doubt, despair, peace, and so on. Therefore, I believe that the purpose of this video is to help make sure that you have your focus on the right things and you're keeping it there. Again, permit me to say this. Everything or other things may be out of control for everyone, but not out of control for God. I mean, let me help you see the truth in these words. Number one, we are talking about the creator and monarch of the universe, the ageless one, the ancient of days. He is the only one who is worthy to be called God. No one else deserves that title. The Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 17, Ah, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. We aren't talking about a world leader who with all their power are still subject to elements such as time, life, death, sickness, space, day and night. You're talking about a God who is not subject to time, space, life or death. He is totally God in every essence. Look, the Bible describes God as one who calls things into existence as though they existed. Romans chapter four, verse 17 says, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God, in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. Meaning, if God needed something, all he had to do was call it and it would come. If that thing did not exist, it would come into existence for the first time that day. Why? Because he is almighty and all powerful. When we lose a loved one to a terminal disease, having prayed for their healing, it is easy to doubt these words about God. When we are faithful but bad things still happen to us, we may find ourselves questioning the faithfulness or existence of God even. When it seems evil prevails over good, we may challenge the sovereignty of God. However, the presence of evil or negativity does not disprove the existence, power, and love of God. Not that we have answers to why bad things happen, but that there are many things that are beyond our comprehension regarding the existence of God, the execution of His will, and the cause or purpose of events in our lives. Remember that we have to be perfect and right to be able to set the standard for what a perfect and right being is. And if God has shown us through His word and deeds on the earth that this is who He is, 
Do we turn to evil to find the answers? Or do we turn to him to show us the light of his power? Sometimes he can choose to keep evil from happening for some. Other times, he may wait to deliver others from the same evil. At some other time, he may choose to comfort another as they go through the same evil without bringing them out of it immediately. He is God and does not answer to us. He asks us to pray and trust him to save us, but above all else is to trust that his intentions towards us, either in the best situations or in the worst situations, are good intentions. Hope the words of David in Psalm 13 speaks to you. Psalms chapter 13, verses 1 through 6. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death and my enemy will say, I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. Number two, this all-powerful God loves you and is concerned about you more than you can ever imagine. His word tells us in Psalms chapter 8, verse 4, What is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? He sent his son, Jesus, to come die and suffer the punishment meant for all humanity so that he could redeem us to him. He left immortality, took on flesh, and lived like every one of us. He subjected himself to the elements of the world he created, just so that he could restore man to himself. Through the work of Jesus, his death and resurrection, all mankind has access to the great riches of God's mercies and provision, both in this life and in that too come for all eternity. So even in the time of the greatest sufferings, the joy of the child of God is that although he or she may not know the reasons for the crises, they trust that God is with them and that is enough for them. Our joy is in knowing that the Lord is now closer to us. So. While we go through this issue, we know we have prayed and we have faith to be delivered. But even if weeping tarries, we trust our faithful God and companion. We know that somehow from this situation, He will be glorified and He will glorify us as well because we trust and love Him. Can you pause for a moment to imagine yourself in the shoes of Jesus in His final hours? He had prayed before and seen God move instantly. He had told his disciples how confident he was in the constant presence of God with him. Yet, there he was being beaten, being insulted and stripped naked, and God was silent. He carried the cross to Calvary and was hung there bleeding to death in the most excruciating way possible. God was silent. You could argue that this was because Jesus knew that this was the only way and that this was what he came for. You'd be right. You say this because you know from the biblical records, but imagine there were no prophecies about what Jesus would go through like those in the book of Isaiah or in the Psalms. Imagine if Jesus' statements about his suffering were the only record we had. Won't that be very difficult to believe that God would allow his son to go through such a thing and not do anything? Wouldn't it be easier to say that Jesus was guilty, that God wasn't with him, or that God just wasn't there at all? This is where most people are at times. Maybe you are even there right now, feeling like everything is out of order and asking the big question, where is God in all of this? Dear friend, he is there with you. He hears you when you call. All your tears are not wasted. God sees them and he takes note of them on your behalf, not for the record itself, but for his intervention for you. Psalms chapter 56 verses 8 through 10. You keep track of my misery. Put my tears in your leather container. Are they not recorded in your scroll? My enemies will turn back when I cry out to you for help. I know that God is on my side. In God, I boast in his promise. In the Lord, I boast in his promise. He keeps a record. Like in the days of the Israelites in bondage, God is near you and he hears your cry. The Israelites didn't know God was getting Moses prepared to come save them from the Egyptians. You don't know what God is doing in the background. 
may look like everything is out of course for you, and you may be correct, but it isn't out of course for God. What should you do instead? Trust His love for you, no matter the situation. When it rains in certain areas, the people fear for a flood. But when it rains in some others, the people rejoice for the harvest. To one, the rain is a cause for worry, but to another, the rain is a reason to rejoice. God has not abandoned you, my friend. You may not understand why the situation appears to be unchanging, but please know that you are loved by an unchanging God who hears your cry. The affliction is not greater than God is. The shame is not bigger. The pains aren't greater than God, not even death too. He is God and He is for you. No matter what happens to you, remember this one glorious truth. Your hope is beyond here. Your peace is not from here. Your joy is not from this world. In all of these things, you are more than a conqueror who has the advantage because he has God. And with God, change is possible. With God, you will win at last. You may not win today, but make sure that you stay with God because in the end, God's side is the winning side. So wipe your tears, my friend. Rejoice in your coming victory. God is for you. He hears your cry and he is in control. Why are the chosen ones, God's chosen ones, attacked? Why does it seem like being a child of God makes you the target of prejudices, biases, wickedness, and hurt? We read from God's Word and see where it says in Psalms 34:19, The righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. But why should they have many troubles at all? Shouldn't their lives be trouble-free? thereby confirming that it's better than the life the world offers? Many people have sadly turned from their salvation because they haven't found answers to these questions. I trust God to hold your hand through this video and help you see the answers in the hope that awaits the chosen ones. That no matter what the chosen may go through, the Lord will deliver him or her from them all. Please do understand that God's definition of deliverance might differ from the one you have in mind. This is why sometimes it seems like the good dies and evil prevails. A good person, a child of God, may lose his or her job, while the unbelieving and wicked individual gets a promotion instead. Sometimes an unbeliever may recover from a virus through one means or another, yet the one who believes, prays and trusts God may die in this affliction. Why is this so? Why would it appear that you suffer more both spiritually and physically because you choose to be a child of God? Yet everything you leave behind turns against you, and life seems to work against you. For example, when Jesus died, it seemed like evil had prevailed over good. It seemed like God had failed, and the world system which hated everything Jesus stood for won. However, the Apostle Paul wrote something worth noting in 2 Corinthians 2, 7-8. No, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Herein lies the reason I said, sometimes God's deliverance or solution will not appear like one, but it is still the best, better than what we anticipated. In his wisdom, God had veiled the salvation of mankind in the most unlikely event that the world and kingdom of darkness could not fathom. No one could ever have imagined it this way. No one could have foretold it by themselves that it would go this way. You see, our ways differ from God's ways. We limit ourselves because we can't see beyond our level of comprehension and therefore cannot attain the height of God's realities by our ordinary selves. We must therefore depend on God to help us see and rise to His realities. This lifting is the summation of the work of grace that takes ordinary people from the lot and translates them into the family of God, making them His chosen one. Ephesians 2, 4-6 But because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by His grace you've been saved. 
And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Jesus Christ. You are chosen from the world and saved through God's grace. Our question today is this. Why are the chosen ones attacked? You see, the Bible tells us that the world lies in wickedness under the hand of Satan, the evil and wicked one. How and why is this so? You know that through the sin of Adam and Eve, our first parents, humanity, became a fallen race. One plagued with all sorts of decadence and death. Over the centuries up until now, the whole world has been framed and conditioned after a particular order run by the system of Satan, who's called the God of this world. Every individual born into this system lives and operates by its rules and is bound by it until he or she dies and leaves this world. The problem with this system is that it's a failed one, an enemy of all that is God's. The system is contrary to everything God originally intended for his creation. It's a failed system because everyone is born into it as a slave, toiling for their wicked slave master, God's enemy, who binds the people to himself, shutting their eyes to freedom, robbing them of their own inheritance, and finally, destroying their souls in hell forever. The salvation that Jesus Christ came to offer became God's final solution to setting men and women free from this bondage of the devil. For through his sacrifice, Jesus broke the chains and opened the door, inviting everyone to come in and receive their place in God's family in the hope of life and eternity with God forever. Everyone who believes and receives this invitation are automatically set free and translated from Satan's prison into God's family. This is the good news and the blessedness of the saints, but also it is their battle. Because you see, the moment you become a chosen one of God, you automatically become an enemy, a threat, a target of the one whose slave you used to be. Also, your new status automatically puts you in the opposite direction of the system, and as a result places you in the way of many oppositions. Let me give you a picture to better illustrate this experience. Have you observed that it's easier and faster to walk down a hill than to climb it? Now imagine that this hill were covered by thousands of people walking down and heading to the base, and you and a few others suddenly change your mind and start walking uphill instead. What would the experience look like? Exactly. You thought right. You and the others who have chosen to walk in the opposite direction would collide with those walking downhill. You might try your best to avoid them but you would come face to face with many and might be shoved aside by some. Others may even try to trample you underfoot. You would exert more energy, require more determination to stay focused, or you might lose sight of where you're heading in the first place. This picture best illustrates the situation every chosen finds themselves. The whole world is on its way in the opposite direction of God's plan and purpose for it. They're heading to the bottom of the hill, to death and to hell. However, those that receive God's saving grace through faith in Jesus are turned back and headed upward toward God's glorious kingdom, eternity with God, in the riches of the glory in Christ Jesus. Now they see the light the world turns its back to. They see the beauty of God's glory to which Satan wants everyone blind to. And in order to make this journey, they must come face to face with the system. 1 John 5, 19-20 says, we know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. We know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true by being in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God in eternal life. You see, good must always be in conflict with evil. The ungodly man might respect the believer, but he would hate everything he stands for. Maybe out of pure spite, pure jealousy, or because everything the believer stands for threatens his profit. A believer in a corrupt organization may be respected, but would not be loved by the perpetrators of evil. Why? Because he would always stand against the corrupt system. He would always speak against injustice. He would never allow the company to be cheated or cheat those they're meant to serve. Therefore, would he be in their good books? Definitely not. This is the experience of walking uphill. There will be conflict of systems. The believer represents the systems of God, 
and has become a beacon of light shining in the midst of a dark world heading in the direction of destruction. Every person you'll face who's yet to be saved represents the kingdom of this world. Some may be nice to you, but don't be deceived. Apart from Jesus, they're under the dominion of the God of this world, Satan, and will serve his purpose just as you serve the purpose of God, too. What then is the hope of the chosen ones? The Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 15, 19, If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. The hope of the chosen is not limited to what this world has to offer. You shouldn't turn to the same people heading downhill for encouragement to travel uphill. In fact, if you do try to look to them for encouragement, you would be miserable and appear to be a misguided soul to them. And if you do that long enough, you'll appear so to yourself too. As we make this journey uphill towards eternity, dear saint, be encouraged to know that you are not traveling alone. Apart from other saints all over the world also going through the same thing, if not more than the things you're going through right now, the Lord Jesus himself is with you through the Holy Spirit that lives inside you. Deuteronomy 31.6 tells us, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Our hope is in the presence of God with us. Now, what is the benefit of God with us? First, the Bible tells us that he'll make sure that the attacks of the opposition do not destroy us. Job 5.12 He thwarts the plans of the crafty so that their hands achieve no success. Secondly, it tells us that God will be with us to strengthen us and to grant us the power to triumph over the works of the devil to bring us down, including discouragement that may seemingly come from ourselves. 1 Corinthians 15:57. But thanks be to God, He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. It also says that God with us will strengthen us so that we do not fall by the wayside on our way uphill, but empowered each step of the way until we get to the finish line. Jude 24, 25. To Him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God our Savior be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages now and forevermore. Amen. Does the attack you're facing right now have to do with your needs? He's your shepherd and will provide. Does it have to do with sickness? He is the great physician and he will heal you. Does it have to do with crises in your workplace? He is your protector and your promotion. He will preserve you and lift you above whatever rises against you. Is the attack coming in the form of death? You have a hope that the world lacks, the hope of eternal life. Death for you is not the end, but an usher into the glorious beginning in a world of bliss where your joy and peace, your enjoyment and laughter will know no ending. A world where there is no more tears, loss, or pain. The world and the devil lacks this hope. In fact, what awaits them at the bottom of the pit is nothing but complete darkness, tears, pain, regret, and doom like they've never known. Those who repent and turn to God from their wicked ways will find salvation. But those who refuse only to perpetrate evil in this world and against the people of God will be destroyed in the final judgment and lost forever. You have a priceless hope, my dear friend, and have something to live for. Keep your eyes on the Lord Jesus. He's gone before us to show us that this way is profitable. Keep trusting and keep shining the light of this hope. Don't let it go. It's your ticket to a world of endless bliss. Every day life happens. You've been there. I've been there. Everyone has encountered some level of irritation and suffering in the daily bustle of life. Not one of us is immune to the realities of life. No, not one. That prompts the question, 
What do you do when life goes from bad to unbearable? The answer to that question alludes too far too many of us, especially in the Christian world. Why? Because we have all uttered the naive and foolish statement, can things be any worse? If you have ever uttered such sentiments, you are in good company. The children of Israel made the same declaration. The power-hungry Pharaoh got wind that God's people wanted to leave for a few days to dedicate to worship. Sounded like a simple request. But the conclusion generated more hurt and difficulty for the children of God than they had ever known. Here is what Pharaoh said in Exodus 5, 7-9. You are no longer to supply the people with the straw for making bricks. Let them go and gather their own straw, but require them to make the same number of bricks as before. Don't reduce quota. They are lazy. That is why you are crying out. Let us go and sacrifice to our God. Make them work harder for the people so that they keep working and pay no attention to lies. It's as though a terrible condition has suddenly become unbearable. This has happened to anyone else? A month like this. Is it possible to go through a year like that in one go? Do you feel like you're constantly being asked to do more? Is there a relationship in your life that continues to take money out of your bank account without making a single deposit? In the depths of your soul, do you beg God for guidance on how to keep your head above water? Those who are drowning draw God's attention, and those who are drowning increase their devotion to God. The children of Israel, you bet they must have felt exhausted. They must have felt hopeless. Who could blame them? It was from one mess to another with them. But here's what God said to Moses in Exodus 6, verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. Because of my mighty hand, he will let them go. Because of my mighty hand, he will drive them out of his country. We pray in a different way when we are in a state of depression and utter a cry of distress. God responds to desperate appeals for aid by bringing forth supernatural intervention. The slaves' screams for help were heard by God, and He took action on their behalf. He'll do the same for you in your current predicament. You just have to believe it. Next time you find yourself in an unbearable situation, remember to breathe and take it slowly. Psalms 116 verse 7 says, Return to your rest, my soul, for the Lord has been good to you. The psalmist advises us to relax, rest, and take things slowly. Why? The Lord has been good to you. He has been good to you. He has been good to me. Sometimes we do not see the goodness of God in the way we define goodness, but our sight and definitions do not negate God's goodness. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7 says, Cast all your worries and cares to God, for He cares about you. And Psalm 62, verse 5 says, Let all that I am wait quietly for God, for my hope is in Him. When one has a deep reverence for God, he or she is able to slumber peacefully, free from worry. When things aren't going your way, remember these three words. Relax cast and rest. It doesn't matter what is occurring around you. God is working things out for your benefit in spite of it all. God wants you to toss your difficulties far from the bank of your soul like a fishing pole. During difficult circumstances, you have the option of resting contently, unaffected by your problems. You don't have to deal with life's challenges on your own. When things get tough, you don't have to deal with them on your own. I will never leave you nor forsake you, is the Lord's promise. If we put our faith in Him, He will be with us through every trial, providing supernatural peace and strength. Turn to Jesus when things get tough. In John 14, verse 1, Jesus tells us, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In that chapter, the worst fears of the disciples were about to come true, and this worried them greatly. They didn't want to believe what Jesus had said to them. 
so they didn't believe him. Surely no one of Jesus' disciples would betray him. How could Jesus talk about being taken into the hands of wicked people? That would not be tolerated by any of the disciples. The boldest of them all, Peter, tells the Lord that he is willing to give his life to save Jesus' life if it means saving others. Jesus, on the other hand, tells him that rather than defending him, Peter will deny ever knowing him out of fear for his own safety. Adversity befalls everyone at some point. Every person's life is filled with crisis and difficulties of various sizes and shapes. Illnesses such as cancer, heart attacks, and the common cold. How will you support your family if you lose your job? To lose a child, a grandparent, or a close friend is heartbreaking for everyone involved. How can you retire if the stock market falls? Is our world safe from terrorist attacks and war? Will our children be safe from mass shootings at schools? Pregnancy without consent or rape in a romantic relationship is an outcome. Within the family, there may be drug or alcohol abuse. Our hearts could be overcome by a slew of problems at any moment. Like Job in Job 3, 25 through 26, we say, what I feared has come upon me. What I dreaded has happened to me. I have no peace, no quietness. I have no rest, but only turmoil. Jesus told the disciples, do not let your hearts be troubled. In the midst of one of their darkest hours, Jesus' words, do not let your hearts be troubled, should be heeded whenever we find ourselves in situations that appear to threaten our lives. When faced with life's challenges, how can we avoid becoming overwhelmed and troubled? You trust in God, trust also in me, says Jesus. Yes, confidence in God is a complex concept. To put it another way, it means having complete trust in God or putting your life in His hands. Putting complete trust in God is a form of faith. It's putting your faith into action. In truth, we all have a hard time trusting anyone or anything, including God. We all try to care for ourselves from time to time. There is a saying, when you reach the end of your rope, knot it and hold on. We try to do the same thing when faced with adversity. We cling to the hope that better times are on the horizon. At the point where our ropes are fraying and there is no other option but to hold on, we must learn to let go and trust that God will catch us, just as He promised if we are to trust Him. All of us have a hard time trusting others. There is a big difference between knowing that we should trust God and actually doing so. Is there a way to learn to put our trust in the Lord? In order to have a healthy relationship with God, you must first build it. Strangers have a hard time earning your trust. It is the same way for us with God. We would have a hard time trusting if we do not build our relationship with Him first. Christ is your personal Savior. Have you received His forgiveness? I've been saved by Jesus and you will be saved by him as well. Don't put your faith in anyone else but Jesus Christ right now. However, not one of us can simply rest in our faith in Christ for salvation. Every day we must continue to grow in our understanding of him so that we can rely on him. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18 says, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, Spending time in prayer and meditation in God's Word cultivates a closer relationship with Christ. On the other days of the week, Sunday only, Christians have a hard time trusting the Lord. You should cultivate your relationship with Jesus on a regular basis. Then trust with the little things. If you think you can handle the little stuff of life, then you won't have developed a habit of trusting God for anything. With practice, it becomes easier to put your faith in God's hands for the more difficult tasks as well. Believing you can handle everything by yourself is a mistake. 
you need to place your complete trust in God at all times. God will direct your footsteps only when you trust the Lord in all your ways. Also, examine your thinking. When faced with adversity, how do we tend to react? Worry is the operative word. So why should we worry when Jesus tells us that he'll take care of us? Trying to figure out your problems as a result of your worry can often lead to frustration, which can then lead to pity parties and the question, why me? Worry and anxiety are poisonous thoughts that will erode any faith or trust you may have in yourself. When you worry, you're really doing the opposite of trusting God with what happens. You're trying to control the outcome. Philippians 4 verse 8 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And how much of what you're concerned about is right, pure, lovely, admirable, and commendable. So why are we thinking that way about it? The greatest battle to be fought and won is in your head. It's a war for your mind supremacy. Thus Paul exhorts us all in Romans 12, verse 2, saying things like, Be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Child of God, set aside some time this week to think about the difficult decisions or situations you're facing. Take out a piece of paper and jot down your thoughts about it. Put them in descending order of their impact on your emotions. The top three should be the absolute maximum. Prayer is a great way to ask God to help you relax. Cast off your worries and rest in His hands. You may count on Him to bring you comfort, hope, and calm in the midst of the storm. When things get too bad, God is always there, waiting for you to take your focus from your problems and rest it on His unwavering gaze. I have heard many believers honestly say how difficult it is for them to hear or be led by God. Also, to fit in with others, others who claim to be led by God are actually following their gut feelings and not really being led. I want you to know that most of the victories you'll have or setbacks you'll experience depend on how much you learn to allow God to lead you. Psalms 143.10 Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. May your good spirit lead me on level ground. You see, the psalmist wants us to understand that sometimes you'll experience level ground and sometimes you'll experience crooked paths. However, allowing the Spirit of God to lead us will be the game changer in these situations. The leading of the Holy Spirit is one of the elements or benefits of being a child of God. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Romans 8.14 God's lordship over your life expresses itself in your submission to His decisions in the affairs of your life. The knowledge, wisdom, and understanding of God are without borders. He's not limited by time, past, present, future, or space. Our Heavenly Father is very much aware of all things. Before decisions are made, He is aware. Before the things that happen to you, God knew they would happen. You may think of God as knowing all the possible outcomes of an event, even before they happen, whether they're occurring in nature, originating from your heart, or from another person's heart. The Bible says in Psalms 139, 1-4, You searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. From the beginning, although God gifted man with a mind of his own and the ability to make decisions, he created us to depend on him. The state of the world today is the result of man's fall to the devil's deception that told him he could do it himself. 
You shall not surely die, but be like God, knowing good and evil. Those words from the mouth of the serpent became the hallmark of man's independence from God and, consequently, his fall into bondage. God is not against knowledge, especially beneficial ones that improve the world. However, you need to understand that God is very much concerned about how you depend so much on the things you know that you relegate him to the sidelines. I want you to imagine yourself as a parent. How would you feel if your child refused to listen or try to learn anything from you or as school teachers? When anyone wants to teach him something new, he constantly replies, I know what the answer is. I know what I'm supposed to do. I know how. I know, I know, I know. And he successfully shuts the speaker or tutor up. Think about this. How much will this child truly learn as he grows up? How far will he go compared to other kids his age? Catching up on new information and learning new skills from the teachers and platforms provided. This child could even be in danger of losing his life because of his inability to learn basic safety or health procedures like crossing the street, reading the streetlights, washing himself, exercising, and so on. You may think that's quite absurd. However, many children of God are like this child right here. We say we love God and want to please Him. However, we want to have our way every chance we have. We don't know what it means to have God lead us. And when we have our way and things don't go as expected, we blame God for not stepping in to help us. The Bible has clarified that a way may seem right and still be a deadly trap meant to destroy you. Proverbs 14.12 There is a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. Does this sound familiar? Have you tried to do something or say something before, which at first sounded or seemed so safe and profitable in your head? only for you to take the step and everything crumbled? So what does God do? God wants you to let him lead you. He doesn't want you to relegate him to the side because you feel you know it already. Remember that knowledge is transient, but God isn't. Things can come in and out of vogue, but God is always constant and up to date. He never goes and he'll never go obsolete. He is before the beginning and will always be after the end. That is why he's the Alpha and Omega, first and last. When you go on tour in a new country, you get a tour guide, someone to help you find your way around and teach you a thing or two about the new environment you're in. Now, you may have done your own research before arriving, but you know it won't be enough to help you maximize your stay within the limited time. With the help of a tour guide, you'll know where to go and where not to go. You'll learn how to get there and return from there. You'll know where not to go and when not to go there. You'll also learn about the culture of the locals and how to greet them. These and more are the many benefits of having a tour guide. They may make it possible for you to return safely and in one piece to your home country. My point is that although the tour guide helps you find your way around the city, it doesn't make you any less of a free moral agent. It doesn't take away your liberty or enslave you. Instead, this is you deciding to follow a more knowledgeable instructor with your mind and will intact and letting your choice flow through his knowledge and experience. So if, for example, you want to visit the beach, the tour guide will either give you a yes or a no. He'll tell you if anyone can go there, when to and how to do so. Disobedience to the tour guide may land you in trouble, incurring more losses than you planned for or imagined. Similarly, the Bible tells us in Proverbs 3, 5 to 8, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. It's okay to believe in yourself, but you have to learn to trust God with yourself. You can fail yourself, but God cannot fail you. To lean on your own understanding is to believe that, although God knows all he knows, what you know is enough to take you through life. And you and I both know that's not true. The things you knew when you were younger are nothing compared to what you know now. What you know now will be nothing compared to what you'll learn in a decade. 
So what should you expect if you refuse or neglect God's leading? A lot more than we can list right here. But if you neglect to seek God's leading or refuse it at any time, you should expect to lose more than you'll win. Expect to be more lost and stagnant than you'll find a way. Expect to not experience fulfillment. Expect to miss out on God's big plan for your life. Lastly, which is the most important, you may not make it to the finish line in your Christian journey. I'm praying for you that this will not be your portion in Jesus' name. However, it will do much good to seek and embrace God's leading in your life, both now and later. What should you expect when you let God lead you? You have a great deal to expect when God is before you. When God leads you, His presence is guaranteed for you. In addition to His presence, His power and grace will back you up. In the face of conflict or opposition, when your strength fails you, you can be sure that the strength of the Lord will rise for you to give you victory. Then God will bring you into the reality of what He's leading you to. He will provide everything you need to be who He wants you to be and to get there. And above them all, He will guide you to the finish line in your Christian journey. Now, sometimes, or even most of the time, when God will lead you, it may or may not be the most convenient. However, if you let Him lead you through surrender and faith, like the tourist and tour guide, you will be glad you made the decision to trust Him. You may not be happy when the tour guide says you weren't cleared to visit some part of the town for one reason or another. Yet you would return to your home country glad that your tour was refreshing and you returned safely. This is the hallmark of the Christian life, that we live by faith in Christ and Christ through us. Galatians 2.20 I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Are you confused about how to let God lead you so that you can also experience what I just shared with you? Here are some helpful tips from God's Word. 1. Ask Remember that God gives answers and wisdom to those who are humble enough to ask Him and wait for Him to answer them. 2. Stay close to God Again, imagine the tour guide. You cannot learn or hear much from him when you're far away from the procession. God says he'll draw near to those who draw near to him. Stay close through consistent prayer. Stay close through constant studying and hearing the word like you're doing right now. You never know when a new instruction might come. 3. Avoid being too hasty. The Bible says that honorable men of old inherited God's promises through faith and patience. Although faith believes in the future now, it takes patience to wait for that future to come to fruition without getting anxious about it. 4. Don't be afraid to obey God. Ask that God will give you the boldness to follow whatever He tells you to do. Sometimes He might lead you through a dream, a word from a sermon, during your study time, a friend, or even a complete stranger. You must let God make you bold and confident enough to take Him by His words and go to act on them. Suppose you willingly and wholeheartedly commit yourself to these things, to do them as often as possible. In that case, you'll be amazed at how well you begin to receive God's instructions for different life issues. Those who take those instructions to heart never lose out in life. Remember, dear child of God, dreams come when you let God lead your life. The disease of worry and anxiety is a cruel killer in our world today. So many are plagued on all sides with abundant reasons to faint and lose heart. So many are pressed strongly on all sides that they begin to lose hope that they could survive this or overcome it at all. People are so besieged by fear of the future, near future, and the unknown that it poisons and ultimately suffocates their today. 
Living in the now sounds like a far-fetched tale of foolish rambling from people who are careless and irresponsible about their lives and the attending situations of the life they find themselves in. This acidic and toxic fear completely kills whatever hope many have for tomorrow, forgets many in the past, and roots till it buries even more in the decision of today, effectively terminating their hope, hence their lives. And so you find very young and vibrant men and women who are completely buried by the realities they find themselves in. So worried that they begin to age extremely quickly. They age so quickly because of worry of problems and situations in life. This is a sad reality in our world today. Is this your tale also? Are you well seated in a journey to a short-lived existence because of anxiety, fear, doubt, and hopelessness, then this is God's very deliverance for you. God wants to save you from the harsh conditions of hopelessness and fretting. God wants to bring you, yes, even you, out of the pit of struggling alone and scheming your way to the future you hope to get to. God wants to permanently place you far above the confirms of this struggle. God wants to be your rock and hope and standby. Matthew 6, 25-28, King James Version Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat, or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body, what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat, and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. Jesus, the Son of God, walked this earth and had to live and face the diverse issues of life same as every one of us. He too had a need to eat, he too had the need for clothing, to care for his parents and beloved disciples. The Bible recorded that at one point in time, he was so sad that he cried, heartbroken by the death of his dear friend Lazarus. He was every bit as human as any single one of us. He felt betrayed and was pushed to his death by one of his most trusted ones. Under the heavy hand of agony and pain, he prayed in the garden Till the very sweat from his body was as thick as blood. Jesus knew pain like every one of us. He knew firsthand what disappointment tasted like. He was bruised and hurt for crimes he knew nothing of. In the end, he was dragged, insulted, stoned, and crucified by the very ones he has poured out his heart in healing, delivering, and teaching for the better of his ministry here on earth. So when this same person says not to worry, it is worth listening to. He said very clearly in his word to you and to me not to fall into the popular trend of worry and fretting. And yes, it is popular. So many people go around life carrying the whole burden of the world on themselves, going about life with a very heavy attitude, constantly pushing their health and well-being to the limit by trying to solve all the problems of the world. God does not want that for you. He has something so much better than concern and stress for you. He has made a roadmap that brings so much peace and joy ultimately for all who will but believe and give themselves wholly to this way and trust in Him absolutely. And like every other blessing of God, it is of the highest that you believe in God. Having faith that what He said He will do is exactly what He will do. That faith then provokes you to do your part in trust that God cannot lie and is faithful to bring to pass all that He has said concerning you and your loved ones. What then is the requirement? Hands of worry and concern luggage. In the world today, many people cannot even begin to conceive the idea that they are expected to live as though it does not matter, to live without a worry in the world to absolutely go about life as though someone else had it all worked out for them. To many in the modern world, 
it is just a display of outright negligence and irresponsibility to behave in this manner. That's where the tricky stuff is, dear Son of God. It is in the details. God did not ask you to wake up and go about life carelessly and recklessly, as though life does not matter. He is definitely not asking you to whistle your way in life in supreme reckless abandon with no connection to anything whatsoever. No. God is not saying to not sit and plan your ways and agenda. He is not telling you to abandon the ship of your life and sleep and lazy off on the deck in complete irresponsibility. No. Now God is not also saying that you should go about with a weight on your life permanently with you, trying to figure out everything, trying to plan for all possibilities to better equip your fail-proof plan. He is definitely not asking you to hold desperately unto the wheel of your life and lose sight of Him and everything else because you want to make meaning through the success of your life. No. He is asking you to believe the truth in Him. He is asking you to hang all your hope and faith on Him alone, having made your adequate preparations. He is saying that He wants to help you take care of the ship, both on deck and from the seas. He wants to bring the wind to your sails. He wants to calm the waves to give you a hitch-free ride. He wants to deal with the sea turbulence for you when you have no way of helping yourself. He wants you to trust and hope in Him alone and not trust in the arm of flesh. Psalm 18, 1-3, King James Version I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from mine enemies. God wants your trust in Him and Him alone. Now quite a number of people out there go around mouthing off how they love God and trust Him and believe in Him Sadly, this is not true. The truth will always be reflected in what you do. If you really trust in God, you will do what the Word of God says, dear one. God was very clear in His Word and is not about to change His mind on the subject. He does not do as men normally behave. He does not have a review season of His almighty policies and Word. He does not go about changing what He has said for anyone because of the times and seasons that have become peculiar. No, God's Word is sure on the subject. He made it painfully clear through the first scripture that we read. Worry about absolutely nothing. Do not fret and be fearful. God is telling you to calm down in the ship. He has the storm covered. He had the waves under leash. The winds may blow from now till next week, but so what? God has them in His able pocket and is not about to lose control of them. God does not sleep. He is permanently seated on the throne in heaven, administering all things. Now He is awake every day, all day of your life to give you a permanent and unyielding advantage. He is awake so you can sleep. When the others are busy getting heightened blood pressure over the issue, calm all the way down in absolute faith in God. He has got your back. Other people might not be able to boast of anyone who is so committed to the full success of their lives and destinies and go all out to help them stand out from the crowd of hustlers and the struggling mass. But you can. You have the Almighty God on your side. He has said, Hey, I got this. Take the load off and come to me. I will help you carry that load. Mine is lighter. Take mine and carry it instead. God, in all his wisdom, created the whole earth and all that is in it, the birds, fishes, and all. The birds have no storage facility somewhere in the sky where they can administer managerial skills and skillfully plan their survival on their struggles and plots through their life. No. God is so faithful to the detail that even the most seemingly worthless bird is well planned for in his grand strategy of things. He watches over them faithfully and is fully aware of their dealings. The same is true for every other creature out there. 
the diversity of the myriad of millions of discovered species of animals out there, and even the tremendous number of undiscovered ones all depend on the Lord for their sustenance and existence. All these years, He has always remained faithful and kept them. You, dear Son of God, very child, you are so much more precious to Him than the millions upon millions of animal species out there. Your worth to Him can truly not be calculated at all. He desires to have you truly hope completely in Him. He never forgot you and never will forget you. He has your best interest at heart. He is vividly in control over the affairs and swells of life. His plan is to have you surf through it all as you lay in His able arms, no matter the storm and season of life you are in or will ever encounter. Jesus wants you to know that He, the Almighty God, is on your ship with you as you sail through life. He is there with you right now. Yes, even now. He is watching over your care more than a father, a mother, can ever do, more faithfully than a lover can ever do also. Jesus has the best plans for you. The only requirement? Trust absolutely in only the Lord God and depart once and for all from worrying and fretting.